Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Good morning, Hope Elam. It is so good to be with you. Yeah, let's give God praise. Amen. You bet. You can clap. You bet. Happy Rally Sunday to all of you here in the room, as well as those of you that are worshiping with us online. So glad to welcome you into our living room as a church family here. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is indeed good to be together on this day. Man, I love football. I'm so glad that it is uh, football season. Apparently, uh, there was a, a sporting contest of some kind yesterday. I... I don't follow sports much. I don't, there was a football game uh, yesterday. Um, I don't know. I just, I just want to say this. I just felt an extra oomph in my spirit when I woke up this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice. I don't, I don't know how these slides get on the screen. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. I want you to know uh, I'm not wearing a jersey this morning. I'm wearing Drake blue. I'm impartial. I just wanted you to know that. Yeah, you've, you've been here for long. Go Hawks. Now, what I want to know, how many people, uh, how many Hawkeye fans out there? Just give a shout out. Okay, there you go. Okay. Now, we're not, I'm not stacking the pews with Hawkeye fans, just so you know. How many Cyclone fans out there? Give a little shout out. Okay. All right. How many people don't care about sports one bit? A shout out. All right. Good. That's good. That's good this morning. There's a lot more to life uh, than football, and that is exactly what this movie is all about. The clip that you saw, uh, Coach Herman uh, Boone is played by Denzel Washington. Maybe something we can all agree on. Anybody remember the Titans fan like that movie? Absolutely. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. Yeah, there he is. And he says this. I don't know if you you saw this. Uh, Many of you are familiar with the film, obviously, but Denzel Washington plays Coach Herman, Herman Boone, and he says this in the clip. We are change. Everybody say change. Change is something we talk a lot about. It's something that we all experience and yet it's very, very difficult. Herman Boone is more than a football coach. He's trying to bring together uh, young men. He's trying to, get to bring together football players and coaches from two segregated high schools near Alexandria, Virginia in the early 1970s, and it is hard work, to say the least. He's not just teaching football, but what Washington's character is trying to do is to build a family. He's trying to build a community. He's trying to bring together these brothers and eventually the whole town, so brothers and sisters in Christ. He's teaching these young men how to be family. And when he yelled that out, I hope you noticed that. He didn't say, we are going to change, or we should change, or we might change. He said, we are change. Everybody say change. Change. We are change. And in other words, if they're going to accomplish their mission, everything needs to change. I don't know if you heard him say that in the, in the drills. We're going to change the way we block. We're going to change the way we tackle. We're going to change the way we, we eat and sleep and train and, and, and uh, respond to each other as individuals, regardless of the color of our skin. And in order to accomplish our mission, this is deep. This movie has deep roots into who we are in Christ. 
if we are going to change, it's going to take every single one of us, coaches and players alike, regardless of our background and where we came from. Now, I know, Hope, Elam, we don't know anything about change uh, as a church, so this isn't applicable at all. Believe it or not, over the last two years, you have two churches leaving very, very familiar, beloved church buildings, coming together, remodeling a 130-year-old church building in the middle of a pandemic, and then doing a church merger in the middle of that, we know something about change. Hope Elam, we as a church, if you think about it, embody that statement. We are change. It is happening right now. We're in the midst of it. And if it feels hard at times, if it feels messy, if it feels awkward, if it feels weird, it's because it is. Because we're right in the middle of that as well. Because we as well just like the movie, are in pursuit of something way bigger than building a football team. We're in pursuit of finding this unity, not uniformity, but unity. We are building a family as well. We are building a new kind of community, a beloved community. And I've heard this said of the church, and I think this speaks to who we are. Anyone can attract a crowd. Not everyone can build a family. That's what we're after, Hope Elam. That's what we're doing. That's why we're getting our hands messy. That's why we're challenging you to go beyond Sunday morning. That's why we're challenging you to talk to people that don't look like you, that aren't where, where you're from, that don't act like you, because we're trying to do something different. If we wanted to attract a crowd, we'd have a circus. But we're doing something different than that. We're trying to build a family. That's why you hear talk about meals and community night and coming together and building bridges and taking classes and joining groups and serving together because we're after something much different. And if you're wondering where that power comes to change, what I love about the film Remember the Titans is that they realize they can't just do this on their own willpower because pride and prejudice and racism and all these things have their hooks deeply in them, and so they're going to need to rely on a higher power. And if you need a clue to where that comes from, it's at the end of that very first clip that we saw. The Rev, as they call him, which is a great nickname, uh, you got to live up to that. His nickname, The Rev, starts humming Amazing Grace, and he starts praying for what? The power of God's love to change Big Julius's heart. That's where the power comes from. Amen? It's not going to be us trying harder, right? It's not going to be us saying, well, you know, it, it didn't work before, so let's just try really, really hard. God's love is the only thing that can change the human heart. God's love is the only thing that can make a crowd into a family. Diversity is not the goal, right? Unity is the goal. Being a beloved community is the goal. Being a family is the goal. That's what we're after as a church. And so the rest of the movie is spent Coach Boone rallying them together around a purpose bigger than themselves. It's not just about football. And nothing could describe today better than that as well. It is Rally Sunday. And it, the, the idea here is that we're rallying together after the summer. Maybe you've been away. Maybe you've been disconnected. But it's kind of the official kickoff of our ministries. Adults, students, young adults, college students, kids, all the way down to infants. All of our student ministry kicks off this week. Hope Kids is going on today. It's Rally Sunday, new member class. We are kicking off the fall season together. And we are coming together just like a football team would, and we're rallying together from all corners of the field, from all different walks of life, and we're coming in, and we're raising our hands together. That would be fun if we could do that. We're not going to do that because that would take a lot of sanitizer. Uh, but we're going to come together, and we're going to put our hands together, 
And we're going to say we are rallying around something that is bigger than ourselves. You are valued, you are loved, and you are needed. That's what we're rallying around together as the church. And I just wonder, speaking of teams, whether it's in movies or in real life, what's one of the best teams that you've been or ever been involved with? What, what, and what made it so great? Maybe it was a, a sports team, or maybe it was a, a, a choir, or a, a band, or maybe a, a workplace team, or something like that. Maybe uh, arts, or choir, or maybe your workout group, or a group of friends, or, or coworkers, people you work out with every week. What is the best team that you've ever been on? I, I will tell you this, for some reason I just feel like the best teams sort of stick to one color and they go with that. I'm not sure what's going on with other teams, so I have to throw that in there. Just had to sneak it in there. It's all good. Black's a good color. It's good. Um, And why was that team so great? Why was that team so great? If you think about it, what made that team something that you could not stay away from? I'm going to rearrange my schedule. I'm going to reprioritize my life so I can be a part of that team to make you keep coming back again and again and again. And here's the thing. I was thinking about it this week. There is a reason that college football players talk about that time, those guys, that locker room experience, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later as grown men because something happens when you have a shared mission that is bigger than you and they talk about that. And most of us will spend our entire adult lives looking for a place of belonging and purpose. And we'll run around and, and we'll look for it in different things or my, my yoga team or my book club or my, my guys at the gym or my golfing buddies or whatever it is. Whatever your team is, whatever your group is, and that's all great and we'll chase those things. And yet it can't satisfy our soul. It's because you were designed to be a part of something bigger. Something that has eternal significance and it's called the local church. And as as much as there's imperfections and ways that maybe you've been hurt in the past, it doesn't change that that is God's plan A for bringing his kingdom to earth. It's the local church. And when you think of great teams, you might not think of, oh, those people at church. Maybe it does. Maybe it's the people that you serve with. Maybe it's men's group or women's group or your small group or whatever it is. But by the end of today, I, I want to propose to you that maybe one of the greatest teams, the greatest team that you could be a part of is what God is doing through his local church. And Paul talks about this all throughout the New Testament. He has a lot of ways that he describes that. So if you go ahead and go to the next slide, there's two different ways that Paul does that. What is the church? Or maybe better put, who is the church? Let's read this. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read it nice and loud together. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Everybody say family. 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 We are, don't make me go Aretha on you here. That's not my department, okay? But you know, you got it in your head now. We are family, right? And it's for all of us. So now you Gentiles, that would be all of us, unless we have any of our Jewish brothers and sisters in the house today, but that is all of us. So number one, we are God's family, but Paul doesn't end there. He goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read it together. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So of the many ways that Paul talks about what being a part of a church is like, it's not just like that, it is that. The church is not like a body or like a family, it is. So what would it look like to live like 
that. The church is a family, the church is a body, or dare I say, the church is a great team. And when you look at those together, when you look at a family or a body or a team, there's some things that those all share in common. And three things I want to point out for you today. Number one, great families, great teams, bodies all have three things. Number one, a shared identity. They are known and find their meaning in relation to the other body part, in relation to the other family member. They have shared ownership. In order for it to work, everybody's got to play their part. And last but not least, they have a shared purpose, or at least healthy bodies do, healthy families do, healthy teams do. They know what they're about. They're all headed in the same direction. And so today I want to unpack what that looks like for us to be a healthy, growing, effective, kingdom-minded team here at Hope Elam. All right, so number one is our shared identity. Everybody say identity. Identity. If you want to know one of my favorite parts of the game uh, yesterday, I did love all the turnovers. That was great. But uh, about 10 minutes before the game started is actually my favorite part. Uh, Those of you that maybe were at the game or watched the pregame or whatever, you see the teams warming up on the field behind the commentators. And then one of the coaches blows the whistle. I don't know how they do it. And sometimes it's led by the players. But from all the corners of the field or wherever they're rehearsing, uh, rehearsing, practicing, uh, (laughs) standing on stage here, wherever they're practicing, they come together. And in that moment... There is a name on their jersey. It's either Iowa State or Cyclones or Iowa or Hawkeyes. And yes, they have their last name on their back, but they have the same uniform on. And in that moment, when they come together from all those different backgrounds, they come and it does not matter who they are because they are one team. They are one team. Now I want to point something out. They they don't dismiss their humanity in those moments, right? They don't dismiss their color or their race or their background or their hometown or their gifts or their talents. I hope not, right? Because quarterbacks can't be linemen and linemen aren't very good quarterbacks and running backs aren't good receivers and all of that. They all have their part to play. But they have the same uniform. They are united in that. And what mattered for the next couple hours is they had a shared identity. We are the Hawkeyes we are the cyclones. And we share in that too. People get really into this, right? You just look at the crowd. There's a reason people get so into this. And I want you to know, some of you, I'm guessing that maybe when you're in worship, it's like, you know, woo, you never lost a battle. You never lost a battle. And then like some people go to college football games and they're just like, wow, right? Some people think some people worship and some people don't. Oh, we all worship something. There was a lot of worship that happened at Jack Trice Stadium yesterday. I'll just leave it at that. From both teams. The question is not do we worship. The question is who are you worshiping and does it satisfy your soul? Okay? So there's that shared identity and we, we try to fit in with that. Unless you're the Annenson family, my wife and I are a house divided. About three years ago, uh, our poor kids, their aunt made them house divided shirts. Look at that. I'll go ahead and go to the next slide. Uh, that's our son. <laughs> Now, it's a little confusing because I know Iowa State was in black yesterday, but this, she literally cut two jerseys and sewed them together, okay? This is why our children are going to be in counseling, okay? <laughs> very, very confused. So from that moment where Caleb was like, I don't know which side I'm on, we put him on the prayer list, and now he has been redeemed, and he is a full-fledged Hawkeye fan. So praise God for that. Put him... Telling you, we got a great prayer team. If you got any, anybody in your family that, that, that needs that, he's a hawk for life now. In all seriousness, in a culture 
that is more divided than ever. I think that people are hungry to be united around something bigger than themselves. And you saw it yesterday, but that can't satisfy because Saturday is done and you still have that same emptiness, that same longing to belong, that same longing for satisfaction to be fulfilled. What we're doing as a church, what we're doing as Hope Elam matters more than ever because I think people are hungry for an identity that is deeper than team colors. It's got to be deeper than that. They, the players, even though they're wearing the same jersey, they still bring themselves and they bring their background and nothing could be more true of us as a church. We are a family, but you don't stop being individual members. We are a body of Christ as a church, but you don't stop playing your part. All of us followers of Jesus Christ. That's the shared identity. And I want to remind you what we're after is not uniformity because a lot of times when you go to church and they talk about unity, really what they're talking about is uniformity. We really, we, all, we, all, we want you to all vote the same way. Really, what we're saying is we want you to have all the same political and social views. Really, we want you to cheer for the same team. Really, we want you to worship in the same way or like the same kind of preaching or like the same kind of worship or whatever it is. That's not what the New Testament church speaks of. In Acts chapter 4, it says this about the early church. Let's read it together. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Jesus ascends into heaven. He gives them the Great Commission. They start meeting together every single day, and the church explodes. Why? Because they were all the same? Absolutely not, especially as the church grows and it goes out into the Gentile regions and to all these different places that are definitely not Jewish. There are a ton of different cultures. Because of the Roman Empire at the time, it speaks directly to the world and the neighborhood and the city that we live in today. It is more diverse than ever, praise God, and that's the way that the church was and and should be moving forward. We want to be a church that reflects the neighborhood that we live in. Diversity is not the goal. We don't worship diversity. We worship the God of diversity. Amen? Amen. And because of that, if we are faithful, if we are faithful to our mission, we're going to be a diverse church, as was the church of Rome, the church of Corinth, the church of Philippi, the church of Ephesus. They were united in heart and mind. It's like they had this shared identity. The early church was very, very different, and yet they rallied around the name of Jesus Christ. And when you rally around that, then all of a sudden you have shared ownership was the second characteristic. And I, I don't know, you know, random things appear from behind the altar, but I just stole a ball from Joshua Christian Academy. Very thankful for them uh, with that. But one of my other favorite things about the game yesterday is the coaches. These are two fantastic coaches, men of faith, that do an incredible job. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. Do they yell sometimes? Absolutely, and so do you, and so do I. But here's the thing. What I love about these coaches is that they let the players play. In any healthy team, in any group, in any organization, they let the players play. You don't see any of the coaches yesterday running out on the field and saying, no, 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 you're not doing it right, and stealing all of the joy because in healthy teams, in healthy families, in healthy bodies, Every member does its part. Paul talks about this. Go ahead and go to the next slide in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read it together. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Say each part. Each part. Now turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. No, say it like you mean it. Say, that's you, brother. That's you, sister. Tell him that. As each part does its work. Biblically, the best example that I could give, right, 
is not the coaches hogging the ball up here. What Paul is talking about in a healthy team, each part does the work of ministry. The healthiest thing I could do is say, here, right? Or here, you're in the game. That's the message of Rally Sunday. I'm not going to do that because I heard a small child one time, and I'm not going to do that again in the middle of worship, okay? I, I would really, I see some of you up there. I'd really love to do that, okay? <laughs> Biblically, I should. Biblically, that's what pastors are called to do. Biblically, as leaders of the church, that's what we're called to do. You're in the game. Get in the game. That's what every healthy church does, and the coaches get that. Think about a, a body. All of a sudden, if you woke up in the morning, and all of a sudden, one of your legs just said, nah, I'm going to take today off. I know you got a busy day. I know it's kind of inconvenient, but I'm just, gonna, I'm just not going to do that, right? In football terms, yesterday, what if the offensive line just says to the quarterback and the running back and the rest of the team, you know what? You guys get all the praise and all the glory because you're kind of more of the stars and you're up front. I'm tired of blocking for you. I, I think we're just going to sit down. We're going to take, take a... That would be a disaster, right? Because every part plays a role. It affects the whole body in healthy churches and healthy teams and healthy families. All the members, go ahead and go to the next slide, all members contribute rather than consume. And the reality is, is that being a member of the body doesn't mean that we push aside our preferences. It means that we put them in order. It makes me think of a story, maybe I've shared this with a few of you, but it just reminds me so much of what we're about as a church. This is a couple years ago, now, and each of our churches did different music, and we're doing st different music. You never know what you're going to get when you come uh, to Hope Elam. It's kind of like a box of chocolates here at Hope Elam. You never know what you're going to get. And that's a good thing, because we don't worship a style of music. We worship the God who created music. A couple years ago, a lady came up to me after worship, and we tried some new things musically in the, the style that week. And this lady came up to me, and she looked frustrated, uh, to put it uh, lightly. She looked angry. She looked mad. And she came up to me. I get a lot of different feedback after the services. Good, bad, right or wrong, just or unjust. And people come up and she said, uh, Pastor John, I need to talk to you about the music around here. And I said, wow, look at the time. I just got to <laughs> head out for lunch today. I said, no, tell me, tell me about the music. And she said, I will tell you this. There are some songs that we do that I just don't really care for. It's not my thing. I listen to different type of music, different styles of music on my own or at home. It, it is not my thing. And I caught myself, she said a few weeks ago, looking around. And I saw people that look different me than me. I saw people that are very, very different backgrounds than me. Very, very different church backgrounds. I saw people that are twice my age, older and, and, and younger. And all different generations looking around, people that I'm sure don't like the music I like. And I looked around, and I said, I'm all in. Because our church is growing, and there's more and more people coming. Amen? And she said, and she said, I just want you to know I'm all in. I'm all in. Being a member of the body doesn't mean we push aside our preferences. That's what it means to be human. Go ahead and go back one slide. It's what it means to be human. It means we put them in proper order. Matthew 6.33. I'm going to pull a Pastor Hurst here. Do I got any Bible readers out there? Matthew 6.33. Seek what? Seek. Seek what? Seek first the 
my preferences. Oh wait, no, the kingdom. Seek what? Seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added onto you. Something happens when we seek the kingdom of God and we say it's not about me and I'm not here to consume, I'm here to contribute. God changes your heart in the midst of that. God changes your heart in the midst of that. Now you can go to the next slide. Because true worship, and what I mean by true worship is not a style. I'm talking about the substance of worship. When your heart is centered on Jesus Christ and you are fully present to him. When we allow ourselves to have him be the focus and not the songs or who's on the stage or the preacher or who's around me. True worship doesn't always change our preferences, but it always changes us. And that's maybe what God was after the whole time. What if the reason that God has you come to church at Hope Elam is not just to get your needs met, but is to meet somebody else's needs? What if the reason that God got you out of bed on a Sunday where you didn't feel like coming at all is because somebody needed a hug? Is because somebody needed to be prayed for? Because somebody needed a smile because it's the only smile or the only hug or the only handshake they've got that week? Maybe it's not about us, and if we would get out of the way, Jesus tells us, if you deny yourself and follow me, oh, wait a minute, you'll find your life. You'll actually get filled up. It's not about putting our preferences aside and saying, I'm not human. I'm not going to have any preferences. You have preferences. I look at you. You all sit in the same seat every single week, okay? So don't tell me you don't have preferences. I have preferences. It's putting them in the proper order. Seek what? Seek first the kingdom of God. That's what we're about as a church. We all contribute rather than consume. Seek first the kingdom of God. And that brings us to the third part of being a healthy team, and that is a shared purpose. Now, I don't know. I don't make these slides. I don't know how these things, things get up there, okay? For the sake of illustration, just so you know, the rest of the season I'm cheering for the Cyclones, okay? So... Fight, fight, fight for Iowa State. All right, so, but here's the thing. From the moment those guys arrive on campus, I'm just using football, but you could use this analogy for anything. It's just hot off the press, right? It's on our minds. From the moment those guys walk on campus, they know what they're about. And it is a year-round, all-in, reorient your life around that. It's not like, oh, do I have anything for football today? Right or wrong, their life is consumed with that. And somehow, as full-time followers of Jesus, we've twisted that to say, I'll give you an hour, God. I'll give you an hour once a week. There is a shared purpose that drives them, and that, that mantra that Iowa has is win, graduate, do it right. It's about integrity. For Iowa State, right, trust the process, right? There's a reason they have these things and that the players buy in. And somehow as the church, we think we can just kind of pop in and pop out. But when you have a shared purpose, it's bigger than that. And Jesus gives us that in our scripture reading today. John chapter 20, verse 19. Jesus has been crucified and his followers are freaking out. And they are hiding out in the upper room because they're afraid they're next. And then it says, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And then we look at verse 21. Let's read it nice and loud together. Again, Jesus said, nice and loud, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. That is a challenging, challenging statement. You might be wondering why. Well, the next several weeks, we're going to do a whole series on statements of Jesus. And I love the name of this sermon series. It's called, Say What? You have to say it like that, okay? 
Say what? Making sense of Jesus' most shocking statements. And you think today's statement is going to be shocking. Pastor Hurst is going to be preaching next week, and it's going to be a doozy. So you're going to want to be there. And we're just going to rotate through these week after week. What's so shocking about, now go to the next slide, what's so shocking about I am sending you? Because I don't, regardless of your church background, that statement right there by Jesus should fly in the face of what a lot of us think the church is. If you think about it, those followers of Jesus that Jesus shows up to in the upper room is the first time the post-resurrection church was gathered. And Jesus gives them two things, clear, direct, to the point, oh, I don't know, like a really good coach. And he gives them two things, peace and purpose. Is there anything that our world needs more today? My peace I give to you, and that's not a peace that the world can give you. The world can't touch that because it has nothing to do with your circumstances. Right into the middle of your marriage. Right into the middle of your finances. Right into the middle of divisiveness and hatred and bigotry and any. My peace I give to you. And I'm going to give you a purpose. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you as a good leader. He's not asking his followers to do anything that he hasn't done. And it's hard and it's going to be messy. But the first time that Jesus speaks to a body that would remotely resemble the church, he sends them on a mission. He doesn't say, get your textbooks and study and get your academics right and get your theology right or go to seminary, any of those things. He says, go. The church is not an event you attend. It's a mission that you join. It's a family that you join. Amen? The church is a family on mission. It's a movement, and you're invited to be a part of it. Because here's the thing. If essentially, if being a Christian is an event that you attend, then something like new member class today makes zero sense. Because why would I commit to something if I can just pop in and consume and get what I need and get my needs met and then pop out? So then I, I don't need to be a part of that. But if you are a member of the body, if you're a member of the team, I'm going to show up when there's a team meeting because I need to know how me as a member of this body fits together with the other members of the body. If I'm a part of the team, I'm going to show up at the team meeting because I want to know what my role is on the team. You don't just not show up for the huddle. When the quarterback calls the team together and say, okay, here's the play, what if you're just standing over there? And some of us live our Christian lives like that. Oh, I'm sure there's something great going on over there, but I'm just going to kind of float over here. I'm never really going to put my roots down. And in a world... <laughs> that is more afraid of commitment than ever, what we often forget, go ahead and go to the next slide, if we fail to put our roots down, we forget that commitment is the process that brings the depth that we long for. And some of you, that statement is for your marriage today. For some of you, that's for a friendship. For some of you, that's a dating relationship. For some of you, that's your small group. And for some of you, it's the body of Christ. It's the church. It is not ironic to me that we live in a, in, a, in a culture, a society that is more afraid of commitment than ever and is the least satisfied that we've ever been. We long for things that can only come by putting down your roots. We are so afraid. FOMO is a spiritual thing. And it is ripping our roots up before they can ever hit the soil, take root, and produce 
a harvest and the fruit that you want in your life. I want to be more loving. I want to be more patient, but I don't have time for it. I want to have depth in my small... My small group's just not deep enough. How long have you been together? Two months. I came out as a part of a church and I didn't like it or I got offended. How long have you been a part of it? Six months. How long have you been a part of your family? And when things got hard, did you quit? Did you give up? And we long for that depth. Or maybe we're not growing because we haven't put our roots down. I just want to clear the air. Membership at Hope Elam is for those who are ready to say, I don't know what the next season of my life looks like. And I love the fact that we have a lot of 20s and 30-somethings a part of our church. I'm one of them. And a lot of times, I I don't know, I don't want to commit to anything because I'm not sure. And even as 40s, 50s, 60s, 70-year-olds, we say, I don't know, something else comes up. New, being a new, going to the new member class membership at Hope Elam is basically linking arms with people and saying, I don't know what the next season of my life holds, but I need a place to belong and I need a purpose that's bigger than myself. So I'm linking arms and I'm going to commit to this church. I'm going to put my roots down because I want to grow. I want to be a part of the church that Jesus had in mind in the New Testament. Amen? So that's what we're called to do. I'm committing to these people. There's three reasons that I want to encourage you to come today. Number one, God is doing something very unique at Hope Elam. And if, even if you've been to a new member class before, just come because we want to share that vision with you. Number two, whenever you merge two churches together, there's going to be interesting things that happen. And we're trying to figure out who we are. And there's going to be a lot of new things. And finally, number three, some of you are just new. <laughs> some of you, maybe this is your first day here. You're invited. You're more a part of this than you know. Certainly at Hope, membership is a get-to, not a got-to. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden you have all these rights that anybody else has. Yes, you can vote at different meetings and things like that, but you can take classes and you can join groups and you can serve right now. And yet I want to invite you to come. My answer to people that say, why would I come to new member class, is the same answer that I give when people say, "Uh, why should I get baptized? My answer is, why not? (laughs) Why not? God is holding out this gift for you this morning. Why would you not open it? Why would you not receive it? Because we can't do life alone. Come and have, come and have a meal. New membership class is not required. <laughs> uh, when you come, you don't have to join the church. You can just come and listen and understand what kind of a family that we are. And maybe even more personally than that, I think the reason that I want to encourage you to, to join the church, to put your roots down, to get involved, to, 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 to move from rows to circles is because, well, we need each other. <laughs> Teams aren't just made for when everything's going well. Teams are made for when life is hard. Sometimes I'll go back to the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2, and I will ask myself this question, what was up with these people? Like, they're crazy for Jesus. They're lunatics for Jesus. And yet something about it just compelled them. The very first thing they do, they go on mission and they start healing the sick and serving the poor and clothing the naked and sharing their faith and all of this. And the very next thing we read is they're in small groups. It's like you can't have one without the other. It's like mission makes community essential. It's like mission makes putting your roots down essential. And I think it hit me. I realized they are on a life or death mission. They're going all in reorienting their lives and they're saying, oh wow, I can't do this alone. I need some other crazy Christians, some other brothers and sisters that we're going to go all in on this as well because as I'm out there during the week, I'm going to get beat up sometimes and life gets hard and I need to be reminded that I'm not the only one that's hurting. 
that I'm not the only one that's grieving, that I'm not the only one that's struggling. Mission makes community essential. You talk to the people in this church that have been following Jesus for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's not been there, done that, I don't need a small group. It's I'm desperate for it. If I'm going to follow Jesus with everything that I've got, I'm desperate for it. It took all of their lives. Bible study is not a checklist item. It's my daily bread. It's my daily bread. And that's why we're so excited about community night that you heard talked about earlier. Because our weeks can be hard. I don't know about you. I get all fired up on Sundays. And sometimes by Wednesday, I'm pretty beaten up. Work is hard. Life is hard. Marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. Friendship is hard. Whatever you got going on in your life. Come and sit down and look somebody else in the eyes. Amazing things happen when we move from rows to circles is we realize we have way more in common than not. Give that a chance. I talk to so many people, ah, I work on Sundays, Pastor John, I'm busy. There is no excuse now. We have worship on Wednesdays. A fully-fledged worship, ah, I don't feel comfortable coming yet. It's all online. You have these options to check that out, and the whole thing is live stream. We need each other, and there are a ton of groups. I mentioned a few weeks ago, we have more small groups kicking off this fall at Hope Evil than ever before. It's really quick and easy to find them. You go to our website, right here at the top, you click on classes. Boom. You click on it. That would be amazing if this was touchscreen, but it's not. Thank you, Jeanette. That was amazing. Then you see all the campuses. We're, we're uh, the campus here in Des Moines. So you click on that, and there you go. And then you go over here, and it starts to list out all of those classes, and you can filter by anything that you want. If you go to adult classes, click on Bible study, you can click on marriage, you can click on men, you can click on women, and then you search filter. And all of those classes will come up. There are synchronous and asynchronous. There are online and in person. There are uh, things that you can do together as a couple and separately. There's all sorts of things that you can do, uh, different self-paced classes, all of those things. I don't want you to miss that. So it's very easy to find that. Classes. Des Moines, and then you can filter by whatever tag that you want to. The other big thing that you've heard talked about is Alpha. And one of the things I love about Alpha is that more groups have started out of Alpha than anything else in uh, our church. You want to meet others? <laughs> Alpha. Uh, there's a meal and worship and teaching. And, and what I love about what we're going to do on Alpha on Tuesdays is we're going to wrestle with the questions that we as pastors get asked all the time. So when people ask these questions, like, hey, you should really take Alpha. And then people don't take Alpha. Like, that's the place that we're pointing to because you get to search for God and seek God and ask those questions and wrestle with your doubt in a very safe and comfortable place to wrestle with that. When we move from rows to circles, it changes everything. Because when we move from rows to circles, we move beyond our assumptions about other people. And we can live into that statement that Coach Boone said, we are change. We can't change if we stay in our box. We can't change if we only hang out with people that are like us. We can't change unless we just do the, all the things that we've done before. Well, this is how I've always done it. Well, maybe God wants to show you a new dimension of what it means to be the church or a new dimension of his love. Do you want to meet other people like you? You want church to feel like family? Meet people not like you. We are change. We are changed. You gotta, sometimes you got to get out of your own way because we need each other. We need teammates. And nobody knows that better than football teams. And I tell you, I did not choose this clip today because it's the Hawkeyes. I chose this clip today because it's way bigger than football. The last clip I want to show you is not from this season. It's from 
well, six years ago now, and there's a Hawkeye football player named Brett Greenwood. And he was a star for the Hawks, and this um, video will show you that. But the reason I want to show you this today is because talking about the power of team, talking about the power of togetherness. And sometimes we just need to be reminded life's bigger than sports, life's bigger than football, and that the coaches and the players that we watch on Saturdays are human beings just like us that need teammates. Let's take a look. This is where it began for Brett Greenwood. Iowa's Kinnick Stadium tunnel, in the darkness, and then into the light. Solid, man. Keep those hips square. And this is where Greenwood is now, in a daily fist fight against fate. Doing awesome. 30 seconds. The end zone, juggled and intercepted. As a senior team captain in 2010, Greenwood led the Big Ten in interceptions. And in 2011, he was among the last cuts made by the Pittsburgh Steelers. A week later on September 9th, while working out at his high school field in Bettendorf, the 23-year-old Greenwood collapsed and was rushed to the hospital. The ambulance got there and uh the back doors just burst open and uh, two of the paramedics were working on Brett. The first two times they put the defibrillator on, nothing happened. One of the EMTs yelled out and, and said, this is not your day, Brett, we worked too hard. And uh, the third one, they got a pulse. The EMT just turned and just hugged me. You know, he was in tears. Can you tell me about the day that you heard of his collapse? There are things you remember your whole life, and that's certainly one of them. A heart arrhythmia had triggered the collapse. He had suffered a very severe brain injury. One of the suggestions was you might consider just uh, taking him home and removing the feeding tube let nature take its course. And I can remember one of the head doctors, I held his hand saying, I don't want to let my son go. Then this past summer, after four years and more than 6,000 hours of rehab, Iowa asked Greenwood to lead the Hawkeyes out of that tunnel again. Coming out of the tunnel, I really thought he was going to try to take off running. Please join the Iowa Hawkeyes in welcoming back to historic Kinnick Stadium. The fans, the hear the crowd behind him, it just brought such joy to him to know that they were behind him. Talk about will and determination. Special ball for you, Brett. They're still praying for you. They're still rooting for you to get better. Some people might see a football team 
I see a healthy church. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, inside every single one of us is Brett. We're a little tired, we're more than tired, we're overwhelmed, we're beat up by this life and this world. And we hope and pray it doesn't take a tragedy for us to realize, I can't do this alone. I can't do this alone. Because until you hit rock bottom, until you feel that pain, church is an inconvenience in your schedule, maybe. But I don't know about you, when I see Brett walking out and his former teammate, Pat Anger, is in his ear, the whole time saying, you can do it. Don't give up. We're in this together. You've come too far to give up now. And the entire team locked arms behind him. I don't know about you, but that's what we're about. That's what the new member class is about. That's what taking Alpha is about. That's what having a small group is about. That's what being a part of this church is. I have zero interest in entertaining you. I have zero interest in drawing a crowd I want to build a family. God wants to build a family where we lock arms together and say, we're not perfect, but we are going to love each other like family. We may not always get along. We may have different preferences, but we are going to lock arms through this life together. We're going to be the family. We're going to be the body of Christ that we've been called to be. I love that picture. I love that image of Brett walking out accomplishing his purpose as an individual member of that team and of that body, and yet the entire group is behind him. Amen? You are loved. You are valued. There is a place for you here, and you are needed. Even if you've been a part of one of these churches for as long as you can remember, or if this is your first day, I am so glad that you are here today. And you have a church, linked arms, walking beside of you, ready to be family with you. Maybe today's the day you come and just hear about the vision of this church at New Member Class. Come and have a meal with your family. Take Alpha. Get to know some other people. Get out of your comfort zone. Try something new. Because after all, <laughs> I don't know, where did I put that? Oh, somebody's going to get this today. You're it. One of the most shocking things Jesus ever said. You're it. You're the ones. You're in the game. Go be the church. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team forward, and we're going to do a song that we've done several times before now, and it's one of my favorites. It's called The Blessing. And I don't want you to just think about it. I don't want you to just think about it as for somebody else. Let our worship leaders sing this over you today. That as we start a new fall season together as a church, may this be our prayer for you. This blessing over you and over our neighborhood and our city and our communities. That God is for you today. And he's inviting you to be a part of his team. Let's stand together. Let's worship together. much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.